Hey, you are listening to the Grumpy Guy BJJ podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Got to take care of a few things before we jump into this week's episode. First, our ramping isometrics for BJJ program. It is a 12-week program all laid out for you. It's going to help you build strength and cardio in the fastest, safest, and most convenient way possible. This is how James and I have been training for the past year, and we love it. So we put this program together so you can just follow along, and we are certain you will see and feel the benefits that we do. It's only 15 bucks. Just go to GrumpyGuyBJJ.com, click the drop-down menu in the upper right-hand corner, and you'll find it. Next, R3. Is this is our K2 D3 supplement. It is a combination combination of those two vitamins D3 and K2. These are two vitamins that James and I have been taking for a long time that really help us recover from hard training sessions. And for only 15 bucks with free shipping, you get a whole month supply. I was going to pull up some studies explaining the benefits of D3 and K2, but I'm not going to insult your intelligence and pretend to be a fucking scientist. I take it it helps me recover. That's it. So for 15 bucks, check it out. And last but certainly not least, we have partnered up with Dejitsu.com. They have a ton of awesome BJJ instructionals, and they have hooked us up with a discount code for our listeners. It's Grumpy10. So what you got to do is you go to Dejitsu.com, which is D-I-G-I-T-S-U.com. Find the instructionals you want, throw them in a shopping cart, in the little discount code box, you type in Grumpy10, which is just G-R-U-M-P-Y, and the number 10, one zero. That's it. No spaces. Boom. You get 10% off. You're up and running. They got a nice app you can download on your phone. That way you can take your instructions right to the gym with you, watch the technique, drill it. It's a pretty sweet setup. So once again, D-I-G-I-T-S-U.com, discount code Grumpy10, G-R-U-M-P-Y, one zero. Simple as that. To find all this stuff I just got done talking about, go to our website, grumpyguybjj.com. Click the drop-down menu in the upper right-hand corner. There, you'll subscribe to our newsletter for podcast updates. You'll find links for the Ramping ISOs program, the R3 Recovery Supplement, and then under the Programs and Products tab, you'll find a link to dejitsu.com. And let's be honest, if you guys can't figure out how to navigate a website by now, there's nothing I can do to help you. So quit fucking around. Check it out, train hard, and let's get into this week's episode. And boom. So now the audio's going. We've been live streaming. We're live. We're live. Six minutes. But now we're uh, live for the podcast. So. We're letting people see the secret sauce, how professional we are. That's sitting, right. <laughs> sitting on the ground. We've got a bonus like six minutes. You guys can go to YouTube <laughs> and watch the, the replay of the live stream uh, in case you missed it, because everybody's missed it, because nobody's watching right now. <laughs> But, uh, and yeah, there'll be a bonus six minutes. You'll get to hear me complain about them not selling fish by weight at the pet store and me fucking getting ripped off, getting 12 scrawny fish from a poor snake. Do you have this thing set up so for the millions of listeners we have, if someone wanted to comment? Why yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right there. It's, it's, it'll it, pop up. Yeah, yeah. It'll pop up. So the way we have it set up, I kind of have to have the computer back a little bit, but it seems that. This is uh, the live chat. And so... I don't have high hopes for chats on YouTube. It seems like most of the people that chat on YouTube are kind of not happy people. Oh, come on. (laughs) You're just just focused on the negative. Have you ever 
felt the need to comment on a YouTube video? Um, man, way back in the day. I've said thanks before. Yeah. Like if somebody posts something real cool and I got some use out of it, like yeah. some sort of move or whatever. And I said, oh, thanks, you know, great move. But besides that. Like, yeah, I don't know. The problem is, is I hate doing what everybody else is doing. So when I see like a bunch of comments on a video, it just seems like such hubris, ridiculous fucking hubris on my part to think that me adding anything else is going to fucking matter in any way, shape, or form. I mean, you know, so I just find the whole process funny. Just speaking of that, this is pretty funny. So uh, downtown Telluride has a live webcam. Yes. And during the winter, it's one of like a kind of my morning routine. I'll pull, I'll look at it before I had to drive down there for work. So I can kind of see how much snow they've got and has the road been cleared or this or that. And it, dude, it's literally just, I mean, there's no sound. There's no, it's just a camera that's mounted on top of the building and it's, it slowly scrolls back and forth across main street. Every time I get on there, man, there's this like a, one guy and then a handful of other people that would be on there arguing over shit. Like, like some innocent tourists would comment like, Oh, it looks like such a beautiful town. And then some guy would be like, yeah, the fucking government. Or the fucking government. <laughs> Just start ranting on something off the Trump. <laughs> yeah, they let too many bums in here last week or something. You know, just like ridiculous, man. The same fucking guy. Almost any time I log in, he was there shitting on somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you get king of the trolls, man. This like, guy was definitely there will be, going for that. It, you, yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, if you're going to do it, you got to be one of the top trolls. And if you're not going to be one of the top trolls, and I like why play? So you know, there's definitely an art to fucking trolling people or just being angry. I don't know. I find it funny because I find it is a uh, it's really um, a test of uh, like those those people in those situations are there to make you better because how you respond to them. Even to the effect of like how you like to what level you even notice them and let that affect you is uh, a, a chance a chance to be better. Well, I don't. So what's that say about me? I, I got once I realized that this fucking idiot was on there on a regular basis. As soon as I would open up their webcam, I would go hit the you know uh, X out the chat so I couldn't yeah. see it. There's a, I think there's usually like an X there so you can Oof. shut it off. That sounds like the smart thing to do. So, so okay. I, I it's kind of like YouTube comments. Like that's one of the, another reason I don't uh, participate is because they've they gotten to the point where there's so many guys like that that do that shit that you and it's hard to uh, um, like uh, you know separate the good stuff from the bad stuff. So a lot of times people they just don't pay attention. Like I barely pay attention to YouTube comments because it's. Uh, yeah, you get people complaining about your microphone or something stupid. I wonder what we'll get people complaining about if we get anybody to actually watch this. Yeah, I don't know. This would be, uh, I mean, we got a good mic recording, so it won't be. How do you have, do you have it set up the same way I got my mic set up with like the stereo? You like, you no, I got way? the Omni, I got the, the round thing and I, I did it because I, like sometimes we move around mm -hmm. and so. The volume changes. Yeah, yeah. I just, I thought I'd try that and see how it worked. Thought we could check the sound difference, but getting scientific here. We need to set up. We need to step up our game. Like if we're gonna do this live stream, we should use a camera. I'm thinking. I don't. I don't know why. Like I feel. Well, it's a pretty good camera on there. Yeah, I have, it's not too bad. No, that's not bad. I got. I got a camera at uh, 
my computer at work I don't use. I'm a little self conscious of this though. Like I'm in the public eye now. Are you? Yeah. Ah, it's, it's awkward. Fucking normal. It's awkward. I've done webinars with like 400 people tuned in. Like that was a little nerve wracking. And then you get done, and then they say the slides never moved on our end. <laughs> <laughs> An hour later, like shit. Oh uh, yeah, you know, yeah. It you know, gets. I think this would be helpful for us though, because there's a lot of times. With talking with our hands or we're explaining something and we forget that it's an audio only podcast? No, I think it is. I'm saying that we won't have anything to explain like that uh, on this won't. one. But we do. Like I get up and show you shit all the time or <laughs> vice versa. You're like, yeah, you know, I'm getting this position here. So really what we'll have to do is we'll get it set up. We'll do a live stream. Uh, we can, um, yeah, anyways. You know what though? I just, it just dawned on me. It's kind of fucked up, is because we always record this a week ahead of time. Yeah. But this so, and this is broadcasting live now. Yeah. And so there's people that'll get this week's next week's episode right now, yeah. and then we'll release it next Friday. It's the same shit. We should have clicked the, clicked the button on there that said uh, schedule for later. Nah, you know you're overthinking it. Overthinking it. That's just the level so of professionalism. And it's not professionalism. It's fucking. It's uh. There's some people who want it like now and they don't mind watching on YouTube and some people want to watch like the live stream on YouTube they're not going to fucking tune into the podcast you know if you watch the live stream why would you listen to the podcast true and, and so and vice versa right like there's people who they're going to listen to the podcast and it doesn't mean, matter if the live stream is available a week early like they're just they're not, not going to watch it yeah. or if they are fucking like hardcore fans enough uh, one of the 200 <laughs> that um, you know really want like you know, I pull it up and just have it playing for the audio. Uh, I mean, I had to do that for the first couple episodes of Matt Burn podcast before they got on uh, like Podbean and other things. They were just on Keenan's. Are YouTube they on channel. like iTunes yet? Yeah, they're on all that stuff. Are they? I get them through Podbean. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, the first episode or two, I had to play it's through only YouTube. On YouTube, and you know, I'm not willing to do that with a whole lot. So, uh, but hey man, if we reach that area for someone that they're willing to do that, I say that that's their reward is you get early access plus the six minutes of bonus bullshit. And we have plenty of bonus bullshit. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, dude, cause you know, I didn't watch much of the, or listen to much of the Matt Burton podcast <laughs> at first for that reason, because I very rarely listen or watch a podcast on YouTube. It's all on the, my phone. Because yeah. most of it is when I'm doing stuff. Yeah. You, you know I just I mean? had it playing on my phone. Yeah. The thing that sucks is you can't... YouTube, if you don't have the premium, premium. you can't close you can't the play screen. can't the background, yeah. So, you know, hey, good job, YouTube. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's almost worth that paying premium, for. It's not cheap, though. It's like 30 bucks a month or something. Yeah. But you get a bunch of shit. I don't know. I haven't even looked into it because I just don't even... I, Last thing I need is more fucking shit on the phone or screen calling my attention. Yeah. But what are you going to say? I don't remember now. No, interrupted no, you. That's okay. It's all right. Snakey's getting after those tiny fish. I mean, you don't have Snakey in the live stream. No. Up, so you need to change angles of camera. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll figure put it, that like, out. Put it over here. You should have like a panning camera like back and forth like the one on Tell Your Ride Snake Street. Yeah. But, uh, no, I did have it. I fed them when I was feeding them. I had it turned, so. Gotcha. You know, they they watched them attack me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so if you're listening part to the, the podcast, minutes. part of the six minutes of bonus bullshit this. is I'm seeing me, it, the proof that my fucking snake attacks me when I feed him, man. He comes after that net. 
and uh, gets aggressive. So he snuck up on me once or twice, man. I was getting something. He doesn't really attack you. He attacks the net. He's not well, necessarily going after your hand, right? You know, if that net wasn't there, he would go for my hand. Like, he's attacking were, what's coming in there. Coming in. Yeah, and I got my fingers in the net because I'm trying to, like, push the fish out. And he's like, so, from my point of view, he's attacking my fingers. If the net wasn't there, I think he'd still go for it. Because he's done that before. That's how I realized he's a little fucking crazy. Is uh, I, I was like, dude, he looks like he's, like, looking at me like he wants to eat me. And I put my finger in there and wiggled it. And he, <laughs> That's when I was like, oh, okay. He does want to eat me. He does want to eat me, yeah. I forget, I was getting something out of the cage. Maybe when I was cleaning it and I was grabbing something, I didn't realize he was in the rock the, the by the water dish. And dude, he fucking came out and hit my finger real quick. And it was one of those like, whoa, what the fuck is that? And I was like, it took me half a second to realize that my snake just attacked me. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, uh, when he gets in that fucking predator mode, he don't give a fuck. Mother Nature's, you don't want to fuck with Mother Nature. I, I, uh, well, a couple things on that. There was a, just recently, I think over in Front Range somewhere, an eight-year-old kid got jacked by a mountain lion. No, really? Yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't read, I just basically, like we do all the time on here, we just read the fucking title of the article. Yeah. And then expound on it like we're experts. Yep. So that's what I'm. Bronies. That's what I'm doing here. <laughs> I didn't read the article, I just said eight-year-old attacked a mountain lion. Yeah. I kind of, I scanned it and saw where it was. Yeah. But yeah, man. And it was just, they had like, I think they had like tranquilized it and had removed it from the area not too long before, something like that. And then he, Ooh, he came back. Came back, yeah. I want to fuck him out, man. On the Mother Nature note, I had to go into somebody's backyard the other day. And as I was coming up, I had to go around through the privacy fence or their, you know, their gate. And I, as I was walking up to the house, dude, there was a big ass bird sitting on there, like some sort of hawk falcon or something like this yeah some sort of raptor raptor dude some sort of like dude if that thing wants to like peck my eyeballs out i'm fucked and so i approached because i seen it he didn't fly away he kind of walked closer to the house and the angle i was coming approaching like i couldn't tell if he was still on the fence or if he flew away dude i i was a little concerned man i was like creeping all up like <laughs> trying to sneak up on this bird like yeah i don't want this thing coming after me no when you get sweet. up close to them you realize like dude they're fucking big big and they got some sharp body parts yeah it's a sharp you know beak and claws like i got close enough to see that and i was like dude, this thing's flying away before i get any further yeah but i didn't want not want to tangle with it i have no idea what kind of bird it was though yeah i wasn't willing to find out that'd be funny dude like george they break the deal. <laughs> You're not supposed to attack me, man. Like, I'm not on the menu. <laughs> oh, that's, he had an agreement with the, uh, the pigeons. The pigeons, right. The pigeons stopped getting out of his way. Yeah, ran him down. He kept running them over. Yeah. It's like, we've got an agreement. Oh, they ended up hitting the squirrel. Ran over squirrels. Right. Swerved and missed and the pigeons. And he had to pay all the money to keep it alive yeah. and then take care of it. And Dude, that's so ridiculous. George is such a fucking funny character. Yeah, I love that character. Like, so many times, you're just like, dude, like, he just keeps like, He's so resigned to his fate sometimes. Like, that's what makes him so funny. We just watched the episode where uh, he tried to break up with the girl that wouldn't she break up with him. And then he tried to have an affair with a girl and then she wouldn't let him, like, break that off either. Is that the one where he, then he tried to pretend he was gay? No. No. I think it was. No, 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 that wasn't. That was the one, actually, where Jerry was with the NYU student. Right, right, right. That's that, that's the same that's episode? Separate, no, different episode. different episode. Yeah. 
yeah, she thought he was gay, and then he convinced her he wasn't, and then and George, George was trying to pretend for some reason he was trying to break up with somebody. He's always trying to weasel his way out of something. But, yeah. Well, look, we got a number one fan chiming in there. Yes! Well, we see you too, babe. Thanks. Do you see this dog? What is up with this guy? Anyways. All right. Aka, you're going to get kicked out, man. I'm going to mind me up. Yeah, I know. He's just all fired up from his ride. He came home. He came firing in the door. I think he recognized your car. My scent. Your scent. Speaking of other ridiculous shit I saw in the news, there was a, a couple in Australia that got brought up on charges because <laughs> they they put their baby on a vegan or vegetarian, I think it was vegan diet. Yeah. A young baby. And they ended up, you know... Uh, Filing like criminal charges against him, like neglect, because the kid ended up being, you know, like 18 months old and had no teeth and was underweight, malnourished. And they're like, you can't, like, you can't feed your kid a vegan diet. Yeah. This is not healthy. Right. And they, they, somebody, they had to get taken to court to get this brought to their attention that they were fucking their kid up trying to feed him just a vegan diet. Dude, that's, uh, and people get idealistic and then they get blinded to all evidence to the contrary. And, uh, yeah, it's wild. People will turn a blind eye to some pretty obvious shit. Yeah, which you would think is common sense. But, you know, you just, uh, yeah, the human mind's ability to fool itself is legendary. I've been, the reason I started, I read that article and was going kind of going down that rabbit hole is because it seems like, you know, just recently, you know, the past couple months, I've been hearing stories about, like, kids claiming they're vegan or vegetarian because it's kind of like the cool thing to do right yeah because it's been politicized and they and i get it because a lot of people come from the angle like i'm doing this for the environment because it gets it gets politicized again it gets yeah. politicized like oh yeah. yeah it's it's better for the earth to not eat animals just eat plants yeah and so without looking into it any further and not realizing they're just you know reading propaganda bullshit then they just jump right on the bandwagon and start doing it and they See, the problem is, like, I don't have, nece- you know, necessarily anything against the vegan or being vegetarian, but you can do it, but it takes a lot of planning. Yeah. To, to be a healthy <clears throat> vegan or vegetarian, it takes a significant amount of planning because you, you're you going to have to supplement. You're missing things in your diet. And to take your typical American who spends zero time planning out their diet to begin with and then electing to go on a diet that... To be healthy requires a, a fair amount of planning. It's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and, and that's what people aren't getting. Like I understand doing it for moral reasons. I get it, man. Like have at it, but you have to understand. You better be willing to pay the consequences. You don't right. want to pay them with your health. You're gonna have to pay them with your time because you're gonna have to realize what you're not getting in nutrients and make up for it. Yeah, there's pluses and minuses to it. Yep. What, what, what gets frustrating is when something is presented and the minuses are covered up or just kind of like, ah, you know, like they just don't want to admit that they're there. And so people are sold something. It's like, yeah, you should be able to choose, but you should be able to choose based on like reality, not somebody's uh, wishful thinking of what they wish was real. And so you get people who just dismiss the importance of meat in your diet. And so, you know, it's just not that big a deal. And so people think that it's not that hard or, 
you know, but again, that like what you're saying, you got people who, um, you know, it's a food filter, like, uh, the, your, every choice you're making, you're running through some sort of filter and what, what people get fucked up when their filters are, they either don't have them or they have them, but you know, they're subconscious and the, and you know, the, it allows them to make bad choices, but it's like, so if one of your food filters is <clears throat> that like you don't eat, uh, um, you know, fried food. Or, you know, like, like, I guess like a, a good basic food filter would be you want to have what, what we would um, describe as a balanced diet is like you want to make sure you've got some proteins, you want to make sure that you've got some uh, fruits and vegetables, you want to make sure that you got some healthy fats, you want to make sure that you've got some, uh, some clean uh, uh, carbs um, for energy and, you know, like these are just basic food filters. So like when you sit down and you what am I going to eat right now? And you're like, and, and you know, those are the things that you're running your decision making through, you know, that's how you end up putting together like the specific, uh, meals. But you know what I mean? If you think about it, like everything that you, all the meals, you're running through some sort of food filter that helps you make a decision as to what that meal is going to look like. It's not just random stuff. Right. And so, but most people either don't have a food filter or they get a fucked up food filter, like meat is bad. Well, and a lot of it, yeah, meat is bad, and this tastes good. That's their only right, right, right. But how, I, how does it taste? Right, but I just right. mean like you—you you got people who that's their primary. Right. They don't have good basic food filters in place, mm -hmm. and they're just running on like what tastes good, what makes me feel good in the moment. Um, and then you, you know, they're like, man, I gotta clean up my diet. I gotta do better because you know they instinctively know that this isn't, you know, sustainable, and so okay, I got to, you know, clean up my diet. And then they start looking around for other food filters that I need to put a food filter in place. Like, I mean, that's basically what it boils down to. Every diet out there is a food filter. They're, they're giving you filters to run your decisions through to help you make better decisions. And so they get caught up in this vegetarian, veganism, you know, anti-meat, uh, uh, propaganda, which a lot of times is not presented completely fairly and so now that's your food filter meat is bad you know I, I just need to avoid meat if i avoid meat and i just eat a vegetarian diet then i'm going to achieve all of my other goals that i'm looking for and it, you know that's that's a dangerous fucking recipe man if you get someone who already has good basic food filters in place and then they decide like hey man i want to be more vegetarian so okay i can't eat meat but i still need the stuff that meat was giving me Right, like that's right. you. You instinctively understand. Well, I can't. I still have to have the stuff that meat was giving me. I still have to have the fatty acids that I was getting from these other things. So now, what can I replace it with? And so now, but that's not the normal person. No, 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 that's no. Not. But that's you know, that's the that's if if you. So people put the cart before the horse. It's like don't worry about being a vegetarian before you just understand what the basics of good nutrition are. You know, then start worrying about whether you want to take that as paleo or vegetarian or. You know, that's another one. Paleo is a fucking shitty food filter. Like that's a secondary food filter. That's, you know, once you've got your primary ones in place, you want to start adding some secondary ones to kind of fine tune what you're doing. That's great. But you start throwing those secondary ones up as primary food filters. Like I just need to eat paleo. All right, let's go to the supermarket. Got paleo on that box. All right, I can eat that. I can eat that paleo. And, and then you make bad decisions because your food filter is off. So yeah, you got to have those those basic, you know, primary food filters in place, which are just the, the 
building blocks of solid nutrition. And then there's a lot of, you know, intermittent fasting, right? Same thing. Like, hey, I got news for you. What you eat in that window still counts, people. Like, just because you didn't eat for 16, 18, whatever hours, you know, it doesn't mean that you can just eat like a dumbass uh, during your, your feeding window. So there's still that you need those primary food filters to help you um, know how to use these other things, these more specific things wisely, but that doesn't sell books. No, it's not exciting. No, that doesn't, you can't get clickbait headlines with, with that. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I'm not even sure how I started talking about that. I don't know either, man. It just seems very fucking random. As you were going off on it, I was like, how did I get us here? I don't know. I don't I, know. I got aspirations for still with this, like, this live stream shit, man. Like, I think we need to be professional. We need to have like headphones and a couple microphones. Do you? Yeah, each our, each our own microphone. Maybe um, like a little professional fucking table that we sit at. Listen, man, I'm I'm here at your disposal. Whatever you tell me to do. I don't know how to accomplish most of this. I'm just the, the talent. It's not that hard. You just look it up. You're just the talent. Then Dude, what, then what am I? You're the producer Rob. <laughs> Shit. Well, you're both, man. You know, you're like the producer and talent. So, but I'm just the talent. So I get just to be the prima donna. So if I don't like it, I'll tell you no. I'll storm off live. Pissed off. That's right. Kick it over. Your little table. Kick over a microphone. This table. <laughs> I don't like this table. This is bullshit. I specifically asked for oak. This is maple. It's fucking horse shit. I said no blue M&Ms, asshole. If I get a table for us, it's probably going to be like a garage sale or Salvation Army thing. Something with some character to it. Yeah. That's Something good. very cheap. You should find an ammo box. <laughs> an ammo, ammo cache. Yeah, like an old, like one of those 50 cal boxes. I mean, you could keep all the shit in it. In it. And then just unpack it, and you got a table right there. So it would, it would be, be gangster as shit. An ammo crate table. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. That would be pretty good, man. So. Speaking of that, man, that Sniper Elite 4 I've been playing on the PlayStation, <laughs> that game is fucking fun, dude. Yeah? It's a lot of fun. Nice. I'm killing killing the Nazis. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's a World War II game. World War II. I'm a semi-Italian sniper. But now I'm on a level to where I'm not killing Nazis well, I am killing some Nazis, but I'm also uh, killing some mob guys. Mm. I partnered up with one mob family, and so I'm killing some mobsters and some Nazi soldiers. Such a fun game. It's a little like Grand Theft Auto style, yeah, yeah. open world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you have you have the map, and you have your your main objectives, but then you get these little side things, and you can just kind of like. Not necessarily go right to the main objective. You can kind of, you know, free roam and just kill a bunch of people and then come back and do this. It's fun. Nice. Very violent. When you get a good headshot, it zooms in, you know, like uh, action movie style to where, like, if you really get a good shot, it'll zoom, it'll follow the bullet in and then show you blowing through the guy's head. <laughs> it, goes in, it goes into, like, an x-ray, you know, so you can see his skull and you see the bullet penetrating and the skull fraction and guts flying out. Dude, it's so violent. That's so funny. It's awesome. How over the top. They're like, how over the top can we take this shit? They took it. Nice. They did it. And it was free. Free download. That's good, man. Yeah, it's crazy how games are, like, awesome games like that are... Usually the free ones suck. 
Yeah. More than ninety nine percent of the time, the free ones they yeah, are. Yeah, well, they're just trying to like you know I'm take sure games that didn't do so well and, yeah. and get something back on the. Well, I'm sure they're gonna try to get me to make a purchase. Like I'm gonna get to some point in the game to where I need to upgrade something, uh, and I gotta probably download some sort of special pack yeah. to go along with it. Yeah. Um, they're dangling that carrot. They're getting me bought in, and then gonna want me to make a purchase. Yeah, I'm sure. Fuck it, go. Get. Yeah. Come on, go. He's just sitting here whining. I don't know what his deal is. Go, go. <laughs> Come on. Aka, go. Go. Go out there. Go run around. Go play. <laughs> Fucking dog. He's just sitting there whining. It's all wound up. <clears throat> so, it's the Kavorka. It is lure of the animal. It's a hit, buddy. I gotta start recording with the fucking garlic hanging around my neck. So, man, speaking of dogs, so you see dog TV. I have not. You've told me about this. I have you yet said to you said you've seen it. You've gone. You've come over and and you and like we told you about it. But I've seen. No, I know. I've had clients that have their dogs watch TV. Oh, but you haven't seen like, like dog TV. Not, I mean, I guess it could have been on dog TV channel. Yeah. But most of the time, it's on just. Yeah. I had never really paid attention to what the dog was watching. Oh, yeah. I haven't actually seen dog TV. Yeah, man. It was, uh, we came across on Sling. You know, they give you free previews of different uh, um, channels. So, oh, we've got our our uh, high schooler. Oh, wait a minute. I've got, oh yeah. How's it going? It's going good. We need an update. So I've got, uh, she's got some news actually for our podcast listeners. So, yes, go ahead. I am first chair alto saxophone. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. I had a playing test, and apparently I did the best. So I'm first chair now. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you yep. practicing, so proud mm-hmm. of her for that. Yeah. Yep, got our sheet music today, so I can practice that over the weekend. So hopefully I'll be a little bit better <laughs> with it by, by Wednesday. So, yeah. When's your first concert? I think it's in October, like beginning of October. It's about a month away. Yeah, about. He hasn't told us like what piece we're gonna play yet, but he's get, he gave us two, and I'm figuring it might be one of them. So. It's a good bet. Yep. <laughs> and practice them. So. Yes. Nice. Yeah. So. Yep. Did you get to sit in the first chair today? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, that's what's good. Did you look smugly down at all the people that weren't as good as you? A little bit. Insulting. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like, you shouldn't do that. No. <laughs> She's not like that. No. But yeah, there are five alto saxophones, including me, so I beat four other people. Nice. Yeah, it's not one of the giant ones like trumpets. Trumpets have a lot of people, but still. How many clarinets are there? Oh my god. A lot. Yeah, there's always a lot of clarinet players. I never understood that. I don't know. Clarinets like uh, I don't, it's not as cool as saxophone. But once you really, but once you learn how to play, clarinet. once you learn how to play one wind instrument, though, you can kind of figure out the rest of them. Yeah, right? I had to play clarinet for a year before they let me play saxophone, and I didn't really like it that much. I like saxophone way better, way more. Yeah, it's not the same. So saxophone's cooler. Too. That's right. <laughs> it's kind of like gee. Clarinet. Jitsu is cooler than. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different. Yeah. Yeah, it's different. <laughs> but no, yeah, like clarinet, like Squidward plays clarinet. Like Squidward, I don't know if you ever watched Spongebob, but yeah, he's the uncool neighbor. 
and uh, he does interpretive dance, a lot of self-portraits. And so, uh, and yeah, but like Lisa Simpson plays saxophone. Yeah. Lisa's fucking cool. She's cool. So that's all I got to, you know, that's the irrefutable proof. That is some, uh, some, some logic right there. right there. That's yeah. right. That's right. Draw a straight fucking line. <laughs> to Lisa Simpson. To, from Lisa Simpson to saxophone is cooler <laughs> than clarinet. So, well, cool. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess uh, we'll finish our podcast. Keep that dog. Give him okay. some chew toys or something. All right. Yeah, I don't know what his weird. deal is today. He's being super weird. Yeah, yeah, so. gonna, yeah I'll keep him. I'm going to get some lunch. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right. All right. Love you. Oh, yeah. Our official update. That's high, right. High school, school update. update. What is this like? High school, like week number three, four? Yeah. Two, yeah. three. Yep, that it is. Big high school. <clears throat> that's right. No, it's good. She goes for two classes. It's great. They're back to back. So every day. So, yeah. Five class days a week. week. Yeah. Got band and mythology. So it's a good combo. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Mythology. They were studying the. Uh, how is it the Dixie Chicks? Remember those chicks? Uh, they were a the country band? band. Yeah, yeah. The Dixie Chicks had a had a song called "Earl Must Die" or something like that. Uh-huh. I vaguely remember it. This is actually kind of ringing a bell to me too. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those like you know, I don't know, girl power songs, and I don't remember it causing like too big of an uproar. But uh, I remember people didn't like them because they had some personal politics that a lot of people disagreed with. And so maybe there was some, uh, 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 you know, blowback on that song because of them personally. But anyway, so they listened to the song and and it was presented as like a, uh, you know, usually the archetype is the damsel in distress. And, you know, this was, uh, you know, a story that had a different um, archetype and people got really upset about it and I was just like what like it seems I, I don't I don't know it seemed a little reaching for some woman power nonsense being shoved into mythology I didn't really understand what that had to do with yeah how is, mythology. This, in, how is this in a mythology class well I mean you know you got personal politics uh, definitely going on there because right. I mean you know it's ancient mythology was uh, very man heavy and you know the women were you know you had even though like you know like Athena was one of the most important gods in the Greek pantheon mm-hmm. and but uh, anyways you can find examples but it's easier to just be like oh you know there's a lot of you know all these archetypes from this and I gotta put something that goes against that and so you know because you know instead of just teaching the material you also are looking at what are the political ramifications of the message behind the material and it may be that you know women are like this and men are like this and so that's not true and so i have to do something to try to juxtapose a different idea against that so you can kind of see the logic but it is like politics entering education i think i could be wrong but i just felt like yeah what the fuck does that have to do with mythology and it seems a little reaching for the message there and it seemed it would seem better to me to look for 
examples in mythology or you know ancient culture or you know old greek and roman culture where women did break these archetype uh type uh you know characters that, that they're usually cast as and so you know that's why i say you got like venus but then you got athena you know it's like they weren't uh not all women were cast as damsels in distress that I'm needed sure you a man find some, to come rescue yeah them. i'm sure you could find some story of some badass queen that like overthrew some kingdom yeah i mean i'm sure I'm sure, I'm sure there's, there's got to be some examples yeah and you know the the thing i mean, I mean the the persian courts were famously ruled by their women mm-hmm. because i mean that's the thing too is like women and men are different and you just we've talked about this comes up in like social media like when when boys disagree it's more physical uh when you know so they're gonna like you know pick on each other and then fucking you know maybe get into a fight and then it's it's over and uh you know whereas girls it tends to be more like social like they work to undermine people socially like if they don't like someone and and have like ostracize them from a group or you know talk trash about them and so that's why like social media plays itself more to that social um uh you know debauchery yeah 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 like like, you know that that's how they deal with you know or women tend to i don't want to be too generalist here but statistically speaking and remember all 80 percent of all statistics are made up on the spot um yeah it tends to be the case and so uh the um fuck i forgot what we were talking about i lost my train of thought trying to like make sure i wasn't overrepresenting or misrepresenting women there but uh oh yeah yeah so yeah yeah but um yeah we were talking about the mythology mm-hmm. and just it's easier to find you know you can look for examples but yeah that was the the women you know men if they're going to conquer a kingdom tended to fucking throw on a suit of armor and rally 10,000 men and go across the border and kick the shit out of the other kingdom and take them by force whereas like if women were going to do it they would marry the king and like do you know have their influence that way and so it's just a different way that women would gain power so like women have always had power throughout history you know it's not there are definitely uh differences and in, in freedoms and, and things like that but to say that like women have been no woman has had power and women have been powerless throughout history up until today is ridiculous like women have always wielded power it's just how they wield power is different and it goes back to like you know not recognizing those differences and so when you look at history and you look at stories you recognize that it's like yeah you don't find women for the most part leading armies to conquer kingdoms but you found plenty of women that were exerting a lot of influence over what was going on uh with situations and so um yeah it's uh, you know that's that's more the truth of the situation instead of trying to insert your political view with some Dixie Chicks song. So the Dixie Chicks. Yes, I did not see us talking about the Dixie Chicks in this week. Dude, I forgot about those girls, man. What was it? They were like against the like Operation Desert Storm, right? Like the first time we went into Iraq, and we were all like. Was it that one or the second time? I remember they like. Man, they, I think it was the second time. Yeah. Because the first, the first <clears throat> desert storm. I was pretty young, dude. I was eighth grade, 
Not even. I, I might have been younger than that. I might have been like six or seven. Yeah, grade. I was in high school. I mean, I was like freshman, yeah. sophomore in high school. So it's been about right. Yeah. So yeah, I don't remember too many people not being for that one. I remember that one was you know a good fucking kick ass. But uh, yeah, the second one that's the one where they were you started to get more people dissenting, which again in hindsight they were. It was true. It was like, you know, do we don't have a fucking plan. What are we doing going in here and taking over this country? This is not, uh, <laughs> this is not going to end like you guys think it's going to end. We can't just walk in, take it over and walk out. Right, right, right. Oh, hey, say, hey this, here's our new kind of government for you. Man. Yeah, here's democracy. Yeah, vote. We'll fucking peace out. See you later. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> um, yeah, but I remember they got like, it was that they got in a lot of shit for some of their comments about that. But, hmm. I don't remember that. No? I don't really. I didn't really care enough. I don't know why I knew that. I think I, I, I knew... You know, I went through periods where I was watching... I wasn't, like, real political. I always kind of knew that there were slants, but, like, I went through some stages where I was watching some Fox News <laughs> listening to talk radio. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fucking... You know, Rush Limbaugh and uh, Michael Savage. Michael Savage was yeah. the one. I was trying to remember that. He yeah. was my favorite, man. Yeah. Like, Limbaugh was always too a little bootlicker for me. I like you Michael know, Savage. Yeah, Savage would just go after everyone. I man. remember, dude, I did that, man. It, it wasn't very long. It was a few months. And then I finally came to the realization one day, like, I'd listen to it and just get all pissed off and fired right, up. Right, right. And I'm like, what am I doing What's to myself? Point? What's the point? Yeah. This is so ridiculous. I'm not changing shit. No. This yeah. is, and I just checked out. I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. It's like, oh, now I can argue with people over these things. It's like, is that you better? Is Why? That better? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I want to, yeah. No, I know. It was, uh... <laughs> That was funny. Never got too bought into it. But yeah, you listen to that shit. And it's easy to get fired up. Because, I mean, there's ridiculous nonsense going on out there. And if you focus on it, it's easy to get frustrated. So, there's a... I never got to listen to the podcast. But I remember you sent me the one, like, In Defense of Ignorance. Oh, that's good. Is well, it? I said it kind of half-jokingly. I know. Because you were, you said germs don't exist if, right. you don't, if you don't believe in them. That's right. But no, that was it. Was uh, this American Life? Have you ever listened to this American Life podcast? I don't know. I don't it, think it's so. good, man. They got all kinds of different things they talk about on there. But this episode, the title of it was "In Defense of Ignorance," and there's a couple different stories in there. But the one that I really enjoyed uh, from that theme was about I think it was an old Chinese lady. She had got diagnosed with cancer, like stage four cancer, and like they gave her a, you know very short time to live. And her, I guess it's customary in China that uh, a lot of times they'll give the diagnosis to like the immediate, uh, you know, brother, mm-hmm. sister, or something like that. And then it's, it's up to them to, to pass that information on to the patient affected. It's pretty much the opposite of patient client confidentiality. Something like that. There, <laughs> I know, I know. There, I know. there was a reason for yeah. it. I, I didn't think, get into the details of it. But this lady's sister. Uh, chose not to tell her sister that she had cancer and I was going to die in six months or whatever it was. And she's like, there's no point. She's, you know, 75 years old anyways. Um, let's just let her enjoy the rest of her life. You know, if it's only six months now or, you know, six years, like whatever it is. But it was pretty grim. Like they were all certain she was going to die. And so they had to get the whole family bought in. And the reason it got trickier is because most of the family had grown up and moved away. Like, mm. one, one of the 
one of the sons was like living in Japan. One of the sons was living here in the States. One of the, they had moved all over the world. And they had to come up with a reason to all go back and see their mom one last time. They didn't want to come back. They didn't just... Because no, right, 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 no one right, had yeah. trips planned yeah. to make trips back to China. Yep. So for everybody to show up at once, you right. would have been like, why is this happening? And so they... The one brother, the one son, called his brother up that happened to have a child that was about to get married. I'm like, hey, let's do a mock wedding like a year early. And let's all head back to China. And we'll all head back in guy in, in guise of... Yeah, your yeah. son getting married, so they had to put on this whole big ruse, and all the family got back and went back and saw, and well, so get this, so they all went back and saw her, and still never let on that she had cancer. It's been like four or five years since then, and there's actually a movie that got made about this. I forget what the movie is called, and the movie's getting released, and now the kind of the the question is. And you know what? This lady's still alive. Like, is she gonna see this movie? And then that's how she's gonna find out. Uh, like, it was an interesting story, man. It was it was pretty good. That sounds ridiculous. No, it's good. You'd like it. I, I'm not doing a good job of portraying it. No, you are. You yeah. are. I mean, it's just there is a lot of ridiculous shit that goes on. Yeah, I mean, that's just it's. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's people who do get told and they still survive. So it's not like, right. you know, uh, there's, and, 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 yeah, it just, that seems fucking silly to me. But I guess it's their culture. Like, yeah. There's a, that's a big part of their culture is, then that's what they, that's the belief. Hmm. So, oh, I thought it was interesting. No, I see, it sounds I see interesting. You don't, you don't think it's as interesting as I did. No, I mean, like you said, it sounds ridiculous to me. I think that you just, <laughs> like, at a certain point, it's like, oh my God, you're staging a mock wedding. It's like, just tell the fucking lady. Because, <laughs> like, what if she does live? Are you really going to, like, she's going to be a little upset. I, you know what I mean? Like, lies never, I, I just, I don't, I don't feel like lies. It's not going to turn out no, well. No, lies don't turn out well. They rarely ever do. And if they do, do you really want the fruits of those fucking lies? That really, you know, like. So I just, you know, maybe culturally it's looked at differently. Like I can see it from how you'd be like, oh, you know, don't tell them so they can just enjoy their last few months. But it, uh, yeah, I don't know. I probably would have done the same thing and then sat here and fucking, I don't know. So I'm not going to cast too much judgment. It just sounds silly. You seem very judgmental. I was trying to share this good story with you, James. Well, I mean, you just, you know, there's other, uh, there's good stories about uh, people who just literally refuse to fucking, like, accept the diagnosis. And so, like, is it ignorance or is it, like, just, you know, yeah, ignorance makes it easy to not accept the diagnosis. (laughs) (laughs) But is it, is the story more uh, the power of the mind to be able to defy medical science like you know like that that's more what it is like medical science as sure as they are about things there's usually some room for uh, especially when it comes to, to like cancer and things like that I mean, that's why they have like there's a percentage you know like it's that, not 100%. right 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 yeah there's, there's there's a percentage which means that there's always people who beat the odds and come out the other side and so some of those motherfuckers drink and smoke and they cried the whole time and, you know, and they still survived. And so I just, that's, 
I was like, I like the ignorance is, uh, there is power in ignorance for sure. Like being purposefully ignorant about certain things. Cause you, you require brain power to think about things. So that's why like, I don't watch the news, right? I, I remain purposefully ignorant because I figure if a story is big enough, you know, I'm, I'm plugged in enough to where if something's big enough, I'll hear about it. I'll find out about it. But there's no reason for me to just be seeking it. Yes. Like every day have a habit of, you know, consuming news. I remain willfully ignorant about those things because I don't want to spend the mental energy on them. I want to spend it on other things. Like you can't say yes to everything. And so that is actually one of the, the, the fine arts of productivity is becoming willfully ignorant to certain things. I mean, like our, our finances, I, I have a big picture of our business finances, but Kelly knows our finances. I don't know our fine. I'm, I'm purposefully ignorant about a, a lot of the details because, man, the amount of time, energy, and effort it would take me to know those things and understand them is energy I can't be spending on other things that are actually more productive for the business. And so it's, uh, um, you know, fuck, dude. One of my biggest regrets is learning how to work on my own website and write my own sales copy. <laughs> like, I should have remained purposefully ignorant on those things and, and looked for you know, help more. I could have been more productive and gotten more done if I wouldn't have, uh, but you know, anyways, sometimes you got to know how to do something so you can find someone who knows how to do it. So it's not totally lost, but there's certain things you just remain willfully ignorant about. So like rubber garden. No enough to deal with it. That's right. That's right. It's just, there's so much mental time and energy I can spend on things. Doing good jujitsu. Yeah, you know, just basics, man. My basics ain't what they need to be. So I need my, my primary jujitsu filters aren't like all established where they need to be. The last thing I need is fucking trying to put some secondary filter, like, you know, some weird position in there. So, you know. It's a good way to think about it. It's fine on that note. So I taught beginners class last night. And then uh, it was just doing side control escapes. And I ended up only doing like two escapes, but just like details you know just give them a little bit let them try it and then come back give them a little bit more and come yeah. back give them a little bit more you know just and then I was I had a plan for advanced class afterwards and it was it ended up like it wasn't a very big class there was like 10 people there or something and I, all 10 of those people stayed for the advanced class and I didn't get into all the side control escape stuff I wanted to do so I just rolled right in and taught another class and just built on that just kept going with it Nice. So I did like two classes back to back, and it just it was all one big big class really. We're pretty good. Nice. I think I, I don't know if I'll do that again for beginners tonight. I haven't decided. I gotta figure that out. Side control escape. Side control escape. Donaher for dummies. Yep. Wedges. Wedges. Anti wedges. Wedges. Moving in the wedges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. No, it's been. Uh, that concept was good. And the other one, the other tip that you reminded me of is uh, like dragging, getting the bottom knee, dragging the bottom knee along the ground sometimes. Like you get so focused on getting that top knee in that you forget like, oh, if I can get this bottom knee under them that I can start doing some stuff. So I've actually been doing my my ramping ISO hip flexors. See, look at that. Yeah, see, now we're there we go. Yeah, look at you. Yes. Um, so usually we do them like this, kind of uh-huh. more like open guard or a closed guard. And so I've been doing them with my knees close 
and trying to work like this and it's different mm -hmm. for sure and so but this is more like i've noticed man like i you know pulling in straight like this i'm not as strong as i feel like i should be and so this is strong but pulling this in this strong. way and uh since i've been doing that for the last couple of weeks I, I i feel like i can notice a difference in how i'm able to use that on the mat so it's actually how I got to fucking Fathom's back twice uh, Wednesday night. And he, cause he had me like top side control, but then he, he switched to like the reverse, uh, whatever, side control, yeah, right? reverse side control, right. looking to get to mount. And like he uh, let a little space get underneath his hips. I had, you know, some good frames on his shoulder and, and hips so he couldn't scoot up high on me. And uh, I just scraped that knee along the mat, pulled it up into my chest. And then, you know, turn that corner and all of a sudden you've turned fucking bottom side control into being on their back. It's a good switch. <laughs> it's a good switch, man. <laughs> it's a good switch. So, and then, yeah, I, I, hit, I fucking hit it with him, hit it on him again. I'm sure he'll wise up to it real soon. But it's like a new power that I feel like I have being able to pull my knee in like straight in like that. And so, anyways. There you go. I was beating on the detail of like finding that hip crease. And like so when you do like an elbow knee, and mm -hmm. it's hard to talk about here, but you know, you do the elbow knee and you're trying to get that first bottom leg in instead of trying to keep it low, you know, when you're trying to get out of side control, if you drop your knee down and have your foot above your knee, it follows that hip crease in and there's that hole right there. And then you then you had I will show it to you. And then you got your forearm on the hip crease on the other side. Then so you create that V mm. in their hip crease, and you got that wedge. Yeah, you got inside with a good solid wedge. It's yeah, it's a good principle. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking yeah. about. I get a little bit of an angle to, yep. to instead of sitting there straight, like straight turning. angle, and then yeah, have your knee down with yeah. your feet, foot pointed up. Yep. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, good, man. I'll try some of that. Yeah. It's good practice for me to try to teach it too, like different details and then just beat it into them, you know, have them split up and do it like, no, it's wrong. Fix this, do this. And then it helps me to figure out how to word it differently, you know, cause I have the emphasis in my head and it makes sense here, but then I try to convey it to everybody else and I let them break up and try it and like, okay, apparently I didn't get the right message across. Right. Bring it back. In. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. Yeah. Dude, it's funny, man. Like trying to teach a technique, it's like a, a sentence. And if you change the emphasis on a word, it changes the point of the sentence. Yep. And same thing. You, oh man, I I emphasize the wrong, wrong step. Wrong thing. There, they're so focused on that, they're yeah. fucking everything else up. Like, yeah. no, this is not what, like, whatever you think it is, that's not it. <laughs> so yeah, now it is, man. Coaching cues are so important. And the thing that, like, if you're if you're if you have a coach, who, um puts time, energy, effort into trying to find better coaching cues. Like if you train with somebody for a while, like, you know, again, this is just me. Like I, as a coach, like I'm always trying to improve. Like the next time I coach something, I feel like I should be able to coach it better than the, the, the time before. And even if it's just a better understanding of a, of a, of a coaching cue that works better or, or just something, I'm always, you're always trying to, to um, refine that because, and then, but if that amount of thoughts being put into it, right? Like if you notice that your coach is very specific with the words that he uses, like you hear him use those same terms. Um, and the biggest mistake people make is reinterpreting those fucking coaching cues. 
It's like you're trying to rediscover what your coach has spent years of fucking making mistakes and then thinking about it and then trying to figure out how to explain it. And then, you know, he's telling you, no, think about it this way. And you use specific words to describe, you know, like hip crease. You know, I say like, you know, put your foot where they bend. Mm-hmm. And and so it's the same thing. Like it's, you know, the hip is not a, a theoretical area in space. It's a very specific space on your opponent. And so if you don't think that though, you see it all the time though. People are starting to do it and their elbows like, it's like wait, 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 that's not what we just said. What are you thinking right now? It's like a lot of times it's either nothing or they explain what they're thinking and you're like, wait a minute. Like that sounds nothing like what I just said. Like don't fucking reinterpret my coaching cues, man. Like literally use the words in your head to take yourself through the technique that your coach used to explain the technique. Like don't just leave that open to chance. Like use those same words, those same concepts. Like don't fucking, especially if you're a white belt you know, early blue belt, like, man, you're in that phase of unfreedom. Like, you don't, you, you just need to do what you're told. And, and what you were told is to, you know, when, when the words that they're using to describe the technique are what you should be hearing in your head. Like, it should be like your coach is sitting there saying those words to you as you're doing the technique. I mean, would you mm-hmm. agree? No, I, I agree 100%. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, not doing that is the fucking biggest mistake I see white belts make like they'll they'll just reinterpret or not think about and then yeah so don't don't make that mistake people so i know we're always like it's uh yeah like paying very specific attention to especially if someone is real like someone like pimenta comes through you know like how he describes something you know the words he uses are like you want to it's like okay what is he saying i want to make sure i understand what he's saying and applying it uh, instead of just assuming that I know what he's saying and then just using my own interpretation of it. And uh, so, anyways, that's part of part of it, man. You just apply what they say. And then you can expand then you, on Then it. you diverge from it. But you can't right. diverge from it until you try it. Yeah. You, like, you have to, you do. Like, and I think you, that's a good point to bring up. Is Yeah, when, when a coach teaches you a move, like attempt to do it exactly how they say it at first because you can't break rules until you understand the rules. Right. Because you need to know the why before you can start breaking them. Before you start quote unquote cheating. Yeah. And it's not cheating. Well, but once you got a good grasp on it, then you can understand, well, I'm actually, I do this because I'm trying to get to here. You know, so once you see the end goal and the principle of the rule in place, then you can have a little bit of fun. Right. But initially, you don't get that. No, no, initially, no. Initially, just do it like this. And then some of that unfree, you know, some of the freedom comes from event just reps and reps and time on the mat. Yeah, yeah, yeah not at all saying like you, you know, can't break the rules until you know what the rules are. Yeah. Like, don't worry, yeah, figure out what the rules are. And then if you are like, oh, well, this, can this I do it? Better. Can I do it this way? It's like, well, yeah, you're accomplishing the same thing. You know, you understand why the rule was there. You know, you got to control the elbow. So maybe you're going to control the elbow this way instead of this way, but you're controlling the fucking elbow. Or you're like, no, man, that's not going to work. Like, yeah, you're controlling the elbow here, but when you try to go to the next step, so you're opening yourself up. This isn't going to work. Just stick to the fucking plan, asshole. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's the, uh, that's one of the secrets to learning. Like it's, it's being able to switch, understanding that early on, you're going to have to just go into it with uh, blind faith, blind faith, yeah. man. Yeah. 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 Just turn your thinking off 
and then gain experience. And then once you have experience, now you have something else to start basing judgments on. Because before you experience it and you're just theorizing like, well, you know, what about this? And well, that guy, I would never work. You could just do this or I like to do it this way. So I'm just going to do it this way instead of doing it. You know, I like this pant grip instead of that pant grip. And it's like, no, man, early on, just empty your cup, empty the whole fucking thing and then do what they say. And then you get your own experience. And then that's where you start to be able to, where science comes in, right? Like you're able to get experiments. You come up with a hypothesis and you're like, well, what if I do this? I think this will happen. And then you test it and, oh, that didn't happen. Or, oh, that did happen. Cool. Well, let's, and that's, that's where it comes in. But yeah, that's. Yeah, I'm on that same vein. And I saw one of our training partners, one of our more thoughtful training partners last night, he was partnered up with a really brand new white belt. And the brand new white belt was just kind of like, for lack of a better word, gangly. <laughs> and not being a good uh, uki. Because he just didn't know how. He didn't have really good body awareness. And he just wasn't being a good uki. He was trying, but he just wasn't. Right. And uh, our training partner was trying to do the move. And he was having a hard time doing it, like I explained it to him. And he was trying so then he was trying to like, well, my, my foot keeps getting stuck here. And I, so I, I gave him a, a solution and I could still see it wasn't sitting with him. Like he was, he was doing it, but it wasn't quite working right. And then finally, I, cause I didn't want to, I tried to tell the white belt how to act a little bit more properly, but it was, I didn't have enough time to fix that. Yeah. You know, I had more, more shit to teach, more people to teach in class. So I tried to advise him to act, to give his partner a better response. And I wasn't getting through. And eventually, our training partners realized, like, oh, I'm just not getting a proper reaction. So I'm, kind of, I'm having to do something different. <laughs> but I, yeah. saw, I, I saw the light bulb flick on, like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then he just stopped asking questions. Like, okay, right. I got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, right, I kind of have to do a different thing here because my partner's not right. doing yeah. the right thing for me. Yeah. yeah. That's that uh, grab my wrist, know my other wrist yeah. moment. It's like yeah. your Uki's grabbing the wrong wrist, bro. Yeah. Like the technique we're showing you is not going to work. Yeah. He's not going to grab the other wrist. So you're just going to have to fucking, mo- yeah, you, you have to realize that modifier, right? <laughs> so that, like, that's the thing in drilling. You do, you're, you're looking for a realistic but specific response from your partner. It's not a live response that, you know, it, and, and so if someone gives you the wrong response it makes it hard to do the move and that's just the uh how it is and and um but yeah it was it's uh there's a skill in being a good uki there is it's a it's a hard skill it man is. yeah and we don't ever really spend too much time talking about it or teaching it I, yeah I, I do when i see something going way sideways i know like okay everybody let's stop i see a lot of well, I remember to touch on it last time I coached, I was doing the, the closed guard overhook stuff. And I remember to touch on, hey, if you're in closed guard, because, but only because the last few classes, I literally had to stop class and explain to people, look, man, if you are in closed guard, this is how you need to be. You need posture and base. And, you know, people are doing the opposite. They're like, they got their ass in the air and they're leaning over. And it's like, I can't do the hip bump sweep. <laughs> It's like, yeah, you think <laughs> that's not hip bump sweep, uh, you know, uh, trigger right there. So, but man, that's, 
it really does. That also speaks to, um, I don't know how to put it, but the value of higher belts in the gym and really like understanding sometimes, like I think it's easy to take, uh, it can be easy to take um, people for granted. And because like, you know, I, know, I probably have a pretty good idea who you're talking about because we only have a few really thoughtful training partners. Um, I don't mean that in a bad way, but there's just certain, like I'm one, like almost overthinking it, right? Like I, yeah, I'm, I'm in that category where sometimes it's like, shut the fuck up and just, just do, the move. do the move, man. Stop thinking so fucking much. Um, but, uh, the, um, oh shit, dude. I forgot what the fuck I said. Value and training partners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Right. So he's not get he's, his training session with that white belt is not great. No, he's not getting a whole lot from I'm it. Not getting a ton from it. He, he's really having to work hard to mine much of anything yep. from that, and so you know, and that's that's a training session that he's kind of giving up to help bring up someone else yep. uh, in the gym, and you know, as I get uh, higher and higher, man, I start you to have more and more of those. God damn it. Yeah. You realize like, you just don't realize even at like blue belt and early purple belt, like dude, how fucking bad it can get. And, and you just, you just don't know enough. And then you start to, you know, get a little bit better feel for jujitsu and, and stuff. And you realize like, dude, these are just like, this is crazy. I have to spend most of my time just trying to get them into the right position. Or like you were saying, like kind of modifying what we're doing to make up for it. And then most of your time is spent, trying to help the other guy either get in the right position or when they're doing the technique because they're probably flailing with it too. And uh, it's, yeah, I mean, those, the, it's funny, man, is the higher belts really do form like the backbone of the gym and they do a lot to keep the, you know, bring new people up and, and help that going. And they are, they're sacrificing their own training time, their own progress, uh, in some ways. Although you could argue and, like that's new or future. Progress. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, future it all comes progress. around. But yeah, and in, in that moment, right? Like, it's if, a sacrifice. yeah, if you had a competition coming up in a week, like, and like, you're like, I don't need to fucking worry about it down the road. Like, I need good rounds. Like, but uh, yeah, but it's 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 all part of the process. But I, it's funny, man. I that you you tell that story, and I've. Just thought about because we do we got an influx a new influx of uh white belts coming in and so you get a hold of them and you're just you forget sometimes like oh my god this guy's literally shaking mm-hmm. like you know he's so tense and so nervous that he's like vibrating and i'm like yeah, i used to do that too like i remember right like i'm not it's but it is you realize there's a resignation when you realize like oh okay well i just need to get through this class because like most of this is going to be helping this guy along, which is great, but it's still like that is a sacrifice in the moment that they're making for the gym, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, you know it's important. It's, you but know, it's part. It's part of the whole. It is. It's a good responsibility. That's sure. why I was saying like it's more like a matter of like not taking it for granted, right? Like it's part of the responsibility, but people want that. But it's a different thing when when it starts to become like taken for granted. And just expect it. And it's like, well, yeah, man, but, you know, like there is still some uh, sacrifice going on here. And, and I don't know, people don't like it when it's just like this expectant thing. Mm-hmm. So, it, but uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when it just is like an expected thing, you don't feel appreciated. Yeah. Then you're like, man, what the? What am I doing this for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasting my time. I was at work all fucking day, and then I came in here to get some good workout and good training in, and now I got to deal with this. Like, God damn it. Yeah, it can easy to be to go that way, especially if you don't feel like you know the it's because I man I do that right like as I'm coaching class, um, like I don't there moments like that where you realize as a coach like oh man like this is not going well you know and it's and and just you know whatever man a little stuff like hey man thanks for working with that I'm not always great about that right like somebody's working with a white belt and you kind of just take it for granted you know you're almost like I don't have to worry about that guy so much right like nothing's worse than two white belts working together so you got a, a color belt who knows what's going on and he's working with someone like as a coach you know like I don't have to have my attention on that area as much. Like I have other, so you know it's easy to just be like, Ooh, okay, he's got that guy. I can worry about the rest of it, and you know, class comes and goes, and and um, yeah. So I guess I'm kind of talking more to myself than anything. <laughs> say thanks to people that that help out with that more. Like just recognizing that it is helpful uh, to the overall mission. And it's just yeah, it's just easy to yeah, take. Yeah, it's definitely nice when you're teaching a class, and then you can pair some just super newbie up with someone who's got some experience, and it, that way you have to expend way less of your mental resources fixing what's going on over there. Yeah, you might just check in once in a while, make yeah. sure everything's good. Come in, but, just give them a breather. Like, okay, <laughs> let's help here, yeah. and then but you, then you can focus your energies on something else. It's, yeah, it makes it nice. It does make it nice, man. So, or, but then sometimes you see a problem that's just insurmountable in the amount of time that you have, and you're just like, Ooh, right, I, right. How do I correct this? And that's where like or whatever that means to you comes in. Where <laughs> like uh, close enough for now. Yeah, 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 that's good enough. That's man. good enough for Show up tomorrow. <laughs> we'll try again. And we'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> right, you got to get that experience. That's right. So, yeah, no, but that's uh, it's it's uh, it's good, man. It's I it, that's a part of jujitsu that I enjoy is like helping people come up. But like I was saying, from a from a coaching perspective, it's easy to take those, you know, what they're doing for granted and, and how much of a help they can be to your class being run well. It definitely goes better if you look around and you're like, "Oh Jesus, I got ten white belts," and like, you know, the best one in here is a second degree. And, uh, <laughs> second degree white belt. Second, second degree dawn. white belt. Yeah, exactly. Second dawn white belt. But uh, yeah, you just know there's gonna be a bunch of shit shows going on everywhere. So it's uh, yeah. Anyways. Anyways, you got some bro science for us? Man, I got a few little things yeah. written down here. What do I got here? Oh, I want to give a fucking shout out to my stand-up bike. So, we haven't had a chance to did think. Did we talk about that one? I had it ordered. Oh, that's right. You were the one. It you showed up the next day. Last Saturday. Yeah, last Saturday. That's right. So, we had talked about it, that it was on its way. But it's here. It's here. Put it into use. And we fucking had a chance to ride it. So, yeah, you've had a chance to ride it. You liked it. It's yeah. fun. Yeah, it's interesting. It is interesting. It's so again, if you don't know, it's uh, the the stand up bike. It's the company's Elliptigo, and you've probably seen they've been around for a few years now. It basically looks like an elliptical trainer and a bike had a baby. Yep. And you're standing up and on an elliptical, but it's got wheels and and you're going and and the guy who uh, um, invented it was a, a triathlete or runner or something, and something happened where he couldn't run anymore because of his knees. And so he liked the elliptical because it was easy on his knees and felt like running, but 
he hated it because you're in a gym. And he didn't like biking because it doesn't feel like running. And, uh, and, but he liked being outside. So he was like, let's put the two together. That was literally the idea. And so they had the elliptical bike. And then that was, uh, a, you know, it's more expensive to manufacture. And so they came up with the stand-up bike. And so that's what I've got, which looks like more like a bike where you've got pedals and cranks and it's got, you know, 27.5 wheels. It's, you know, got a, a front fork and some so disc were these, brakes. So were these the guys, sorry to interrupt. No, yeah. Because at one time I do remember seeing something that looked way more like an elliptical machine, but it was a bike. Yes, that's it. It's the same guys. Yep. So they, they just modified. So now it looks more like right. a bike. This is a stand-up bike. Okay. So there's but the, there's the Elliptigo. The same, it is the same guys. It is the same guys, yeah. Okay. Elliptigo okay. is the name of the company, and the Elliptigo bike, or the, the Elliptigo is that, what you're talking about, the elliptical. Yeah, I mean, and, it, it looked like an yes, elliptical. Yes, it's I an had, elliptical on wheels. wheels. Yeah, basically yeah, yeah. what it is. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so I, I, the, I got all this lowdown from the guy behind the company when I was talking him into sending me one. Um, but, yeah, they're, he said they're expensive to manufacture. You know, they look a little weird. Um, and, and so the having a stand-up bike, something that looks a little more like a bike and uses more recognizable parts, uh, was the idea. So it is. It's got, you know, a 10-speed uh, derailleur. uses a Shimano derailleur and shifter. And um, so it is, like, more like a bike. Without a seat. Without a seat. But what it is, it's hard because what people don't realize is that a regular bike is made with a balance point in the back, like behind in the, the your bike's um, center of gravity. So that's why it always feels like you want to kind of sit back. There's like this tug for your hips to sit back. And it's hard to get and stay on the balance point on the front of the bike. And so the stand-up bike, the balance point is in the front of the bike. That's where it is. There is no back of the bike. And so standing up on it feels like totally different in some way it feels similar to standing up on a regular bike but it's, it feels a little different it feels different like you're in a your your posture and your balance points are more natural so standing up feels way more natural and way more easy than it does on a regular bike because people try to extrapolate you know I, I did it's like man what's that gonna feel like like just putting your seat down on your bike and going for a ride like what the fuck but uh no it's a it's a different experience um, so you can feel like your posterior chain, your fucking fire peaches. Uh, so what they do they, more. is the cranks moved closer to the handlebars mm-hmm. to change the balance point, the balance yeah. point. So you're sitting, yep. so it's not set back because then you'd be leaning. Yep. That's why you want to sit down. I can see it now. So if you move the cranks forward, it keeps you more upright. And it's more natural, more comfortable. Yeah. You don't have the urge to want to sit down. Just right, because right. Where your feet are. Because you're leaned over. Where your feet are and where the handlebars are, it doesn't feel like you want it's to not separated. Sit, sit down. Yep. I, I can yeah, see that when you separate it. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting, man. I like it. I think it's going to be a good training tool for teaching people to feel what it's like to stand up pedaling. Like that's one of the big mistakes riders make is they, they stand up to pedal, but they don't, find that balance point in the front of the bike like they don't even really know it exists and so they don't get there and so getting that feel on the stand-up bike uh and then just dude you spend a fucking off season hammering around doing intervals on that thing and you jump back on your regular bike like yeah that's the the uh epitome of um like fucking inefficiency training like you don't want your cardio training to be efficient so a stand-up bike is 
a very inefficient way in some ways to ride a bike. Like you can't sit down. So uh, that is a better way to work like your cardio with a bike than a bike is, if that makes sense. That makes sense. So yeah, if you're just doing stuff for the fitness side, if you're just like, you know, I want to ride a bike for fitness or I want something that's low impact. uh, And and so you're riding a bike for that. Like I think the stand-up bike would be... I would choose a stand-up bike. Yeah, yeah. Goddamn bicycle seat's not comfortable anyways. No, man. It's fucking... It's it's pretty fun. You just ride around on that thing and it's easy to turn. So that's... Anyways, just wanted to give a shout out to stand-up bikes. One of those weird things that if you don't hear someone say that it doesn't suck that you uh somewhat trust on you know again i'm going out on a limb here saying there's a whole lot of people trusting what i'm saying (laughs) but uh anyways yeah stand-up bike's not not a bullshit thing no it's pretty cool it is pretty cool so i was pumped i'm glad it was i was gonna be bummed if i had to send it back because i didn't want to have to package it back up so i don't know they may want it back still i already cut the handlebars and changed some shit out Hopefully they're not wanting it back. I, don't, I hope not too. I was going to try to do some more modifications. I want to put some hydraulic disc brakes. Maybe put a better fork on it. And uh, yeah, I want to get that thing like trail ready. Yeah. yeah, dude. Right now it's like light trail. You can take it on some, you know, some dirt road, you know, easy bike path type stuff. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't take it out to lunch loops. It would snap something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fork is, is definitely more Walmart. Uh, quality but you know they're trying to achieve a price point forks can get fucking expensive like you can drop a grand plus on just a fork oh can you really oh yeah i have no idea yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's your most your most expensive parts on a bike man you're gonna spend probably a, a decent fork you're gonna spend around a grand wow. and a, a good wheel set you're gonna spend around a grand and so then you're looking at your frame you're gonna spend a couple grand that's why I like that's four grand just between your frame fork and wheels and you probably wheels got are just your rims the yeah just the rims just yeah the that's rims, not even right? the rubber the tube and all that stuff yeah 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 so you can easily start getting into the six plus thousand dollar range and not even have top of the line everything yeah talk to our new training buddy Andrew there he works at DT Swiss Andrew who's fucks Andrew uh he looks like an office guy yeah Oh, I know him. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, I'll tell him. It's funny. I know some of the guys that work at DT Swiss. Yeah, but uh, that's funny. Okay, I'll harass him. (laughs) He he works in the industry, so sorry to hear that. I'm not sure what he does for him. I just know he works for him. Nah, it's fine. That's cool. So, all right, man. Um, So I got some... uh, I want to ask your opinion on cardio training and having your uh, mouthpiece in while you're doing cardio training if you're like talking about like specific cardio training for bjj or is that like getting too specific or i don't know what's your thoughts i guess if if you're super the only i guess the only benefit i can see from it is if you're new to it and it's really uncomfortable for you to wear one you just need to desensitize yourself Put yeah. the thing, put, put the thing in, work out with it in, and you just get to the point to where it's not, it's not a thing anymore. And then once you're at the point where it's not a thing anymore, then you don't need to do it. You're just being an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, there is some people that are really uncomfortable wearing one because they've never been in a sport where they've had to have it. Right. And so it's really foreign to them, and they feel like they can't breathe with it and all this other nonsense. I get that. So you just gotta just wear it 
until get used to it. Yeah. Until it's no big deal. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Besides and, that, no. Yeah, no. Because I wore, I mean, I, dude, I started in karate when I was five years old, and they had a sparring, and you wore mouth guards. And so, dude, as far back as I can remember, I would, I would have a mouth guard in doing stuff. So it's it's never even been a thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I got uh, that, the, was it Sisu, S-I-S-U mouth guard, and it's like super thin, because I didn't come up in sports with a mouth guard, and so I was one of the things I was really worried about when I started rolling, it was like I knew I wanted one, but... You know, I'm, I'm thinking back to like my one and a half years of football and, you know, having like a fucking mouthpiece, like the football, the fucking, big yeah, one. the big ass one in. And I'm like, dude, I can't even imagine trying to roll for five minutes or whatever with something like that in my mouth. Um, but yeah, those are super thin and, and uh, awesome. So they, they got like really good mouth guards mm-hmm. now. It's not like the old days. Um, so finding something that's comfortable. But yeah, I'd agree with that. Just using it if you need to to get used to it. But once you get used to it, it's just kind of overkill doing all of your cardio with a mouthpiece in. Yeah. So yeah, cool. I it was one of the uh, one of the studies I came across. They just made a mention about like training with your mouthpiece in. Now, you if know. you like it, like if you're lifting heavy and you like to be able to like bite down, yeah, and set your jaw. There's nothing wrong with that. I've seen lifters do that. Well, they actually have a specific one for that. Yeah, I've, I've seen power lifters do that. Yeah. So that they can, it gives them, so they're not damaging their teeth and it gives you something to frame on yeah. and you can bite down. Well, apparently there's like some science behind mm-hmm. your jaw position affecting your strength. Mm-hmm. And the, like, it's actually pretty uh, like um, stark. Like it's yeah. not like, you know, one uh, or 2%. It's, it's a... a, a a significant difference and so yeah because you can get your jaw to align properly and then it just kind of roots everything in and gets your posterior chain started rooted in properly yeah, yeah that's I have seen those yeah God, I've known lifters that have done that I've known yeah guys that were big into it so. yeah I forget the name of the specific one because I know like Brian Shaw he's like one of the he's actually from Colorado mm-hmm. one of the, the world's strongest men he was dude like he was like four time world's yeah. strongest man or something yeah one like Arnold yeah. the, is that what the, is that the world's strongest man or the whoever wins the Arnold well, classic the, or do they actually have like those the, old school ones well I think it's like an ongoing tournament throughout like the year there's several yeah. different events and the culmination of it I think might be the Arnold's or I might be mis- misspeaking here yeah but the Arnold is one of those. If yeah. it's not the if it's not the championship, it's one of those events. Right. That they that you have to go to in, in the circuit. But right. Yeah. Anyways, he's a fucking freak of a human being. Dude, he's huge. He's yeah. so big. Yeah, but he uses like those special one of those special ones for that. So. Yeah. So, anyways, all right, I'd agree with that. All right, so isometrics. It was uh, dude, I'm all all about fucking isometric shit. Um, pay attention to your time right what time you got to talk to so you got a phone call at one yeah we got like okay. 20 more minutes here we're good so I was talking to you about changing up my isometric plan a little bit mm-hmm. so the ramping isometrics doing a little research you've got yielding and you've got overcoming so overcoming is where you're you're pushing or pulling against something that won't move and um, the yielding isometrics is where you're like the you're like you're holding a weight that's trying and you're resisting it coming down mm-hmm. and so the the two different ones are um are different obviously two different ones are different yes yes Mind blown. <laughs> all right so there's bro science for the day all right um and I, i'd always been kind of curious about this because the the isometric stuff that i had seen always recommended 
pretty short contractions, like, you know, 10 seconds, mm -hmm. give or take. And so the ramping isometrics are 30-30-30. And so you're doing 30 seconds at each one. And so and they've been effective. They've been definitely worked. But I was always like, man, you know, I don't know. So I decided to do, dig in, do a little research. And based on that, I've kind of modified what I'm doing. And I did my first workout with it the other day. I, I liked it. But uh, so, yeah, the overcoming, um, doing more of the short. Because, again, I, like the research shows that like 10 seconds, give or take, is that best, that top thing. And so what I'm doing is I'm doing 30 seconds at 50% just to kind of get things going. Uh 20 seconds at 80 percent and then 10 seconds at 100 and uh man i like it you're you're almost you're, you almost finish wishing there was a little more time you're like you just when you reach as high as you can go and you're like oh, i think i can go a little bit more and it, you know and it's time out and so you don't ever reach that point where you're you're trying to survive it and so I'm, you're definitely able to generate higher levels of tension mm -hmm. than you can if you're trying to do it for 30 seconds yep. so yeah i'm gonna be trying that and then the yielding um is that like 60 to 90 second range and so like the banded isometrics um is a is perfect for that and so i'm sticking with that like the the, the 90 seconds um with the banded and then kind of doing my new 10 20 10 uh, or 30 20 10 with the overcoming mm -hmm. ones um and see how that goes see i've been I've, I've played with that myself too and just me being bored and trying new stuff you know because when it comes to you know getting your body to adapt a lot of it comes down to time under tension how much you know time are your muscles under tension and when you sell out on one ramping iso or one yielding iso you just sell out on one set, you know, like to say the pull up, the hang, the chin up hang is an easy one to envision and, and play with. Like you, you just do one set as long as you can. And then let's say you make it a minute, minute 20 or whatever to hang. That's, that's not, not easy to do, but then you're done. But then I was like, man, I, I feel like I need more work. That's not enough work. So then I decreased it. I started doing like, I cut it in half, but I would do like four sets of it. I would do like 30 second hangs and you know, no, I'm not going to fatigue. But then I could do it four or five, six times, as opposed to just only being able to hang from the bar for a minute. Yeah. So I'm, I'm spending a lot. I'm spending two or three times, uh, times the amount of time under under tension, and I, I like doing that. Yeah, and, you would. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 that's a bastardization of the science, my friend. <laughs> but it is. It, but it is a bastardization of the science. Yeah. It is a version of it. Flipping that around though, the overcoming, that, that's the thing, like the overcoming is how you want to use that. Mm -hmm. The yielding is, it's uh, the time under tension and you're actually better going to exhaustion. Like that was one of the things, there's there's a really good article, uh, it's uh, uh, Tib Army, T-H-I-B-A-R-M-Y.com. Um, Christian Thibodeau mm -hmm. is the guy's name. He's, uh, he's an OG man from, um, back in the old T nation days, uh, super fucking smart guy, um, really knows all the science behind this shit. And so that's his, uh, that's his site and he's got a really good, um, he's got other articles, but the, the one that I was looking at there, um, was, you know, the one that I was kind of like, you know, drawn off of here. And so the, uh, you know, that's what, you know, he was the one saying like, you're, you know, the using them those two different ways, like the overcoming 
you want to the use the shorter. And and so, but what he was saying is that um, a couple, that, you know, there's a, a very famous, I forget if it's Verkashansky, um, it's a very famous Russian um, coach, uh, track and, and strength coach. And so he's got, I forget the name of his book, but like Mel Sif and Verkashansky, like those are two like super old school classic um, strength training texts that still are, you know, staples today and one of the things in there was that a muscle that's not taken to fatigue is you know you're you're it's almost like it wasn't trained Mm -hmm. and so the taking the muscle to complete fatigue like basically to failure was one of the most important components of the um basically like stimulating local growth factors and then, um, and the, the, like the length didn't matter, right? And that was another thing. One of the studies found that the, the amount of reps that you used was less important than going to failure as far as like stimulating those things. And so the, like your one set, your one ninety second set all out to failure, you're all you're like, you know, you're actually getting more out of that than the three short sets where you're not going to failure but you would do better doing like three 10 second overcoming maximum. Yes. That's where you would want to do that. You know, if you wanted to add more, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to like, I still, I just don't want to do like one set. I'm still trying to figure out how to do that. But realistically, if you wanted to do more, you would do multiple sets of that overcoming and um, one and build your time under tension uh, that way. Cause you're just not able to take it to failure uh, with the the overcoming like you can with the yielding like you can take those to failure so that's the you know again you know it's, it's not that either way is wrong it's just that if you're if you're looking at what the data says and just kind of applying what we know so far as like best practices with um, isometrics like that would be your your one long set for the yielding and your multiple short sets for the overcoming would be the way to do it, but whatever they just have no studies on what I'm exactly. Talking about. I'm ahead of the curve. Rob's hot garage or hot of, Rob's garage, hot Rob's garage is, is the setting the trends. That's right. We don't follow those motherfuckers. It sounds like pussy bullshit. Pussy bullshit. Yep. So, anyways, that's what I'm playing around with, and one of the things there was some fucking interesting shit in there. One of it was uh, so occlusion training, right? That's just one of the big. I didn't get to fuck with. It's restricting much, blood right? flow, right? Well, he pointed out that isometrics are a form of occlusion training. Really? Yep. If you think about it, man, when you tense that muscle, you restrict blood flow. Mm-hmm. So you're actually getting, instead of having to buy those stupid bands and, and fucking, I mean, what else can you do besides look like the ultimate warrior with those things? You basically wrap them around your bicep like the ultimate warrior and tie them tight as fuck. Are you going to shoot up heroin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. be the ultimate warrior? Hey, what other body parts are you using this on? Oh, I see people use them on the legs, calves, okay. quads. okay. Whatever. Neck. Don't use it on your neck. Yeah, don't use it on your neck. <laughs> that sounds dangerous. Yeah, autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> but uh, the um, but isometrics, especially as you get more skilled with it and you can create more tension, you're actually able to create that occlusion training effect in local areas that you can't target with the little fucking bands. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to pay the extra money to do it too. So I thought that was interesting. I never thought about I never thought about that either. That, but once when he said it, it was like that's uh, 
that's interesting. Um, oh, one of the other things he, he was talking about is how uh, the difference between a movement pattern and a recruitment pattern. And so like a movement pattern is your hip hinge, but the recruitment pattern is what order and how did your body recruit the muscles within that movement pattern to, to, create, the movement, the movement. to create the movement. Right. So you can have two people doing a hip hinge. One person's activating their lower back more, using their quads more. The other person's using their hip more. Mm -hmm. They can look very similar, um, especially to the less trained eye. Uh, but the, re the recruitment pattern is you know, just as important, if not more important. I'd say more important. Right, than just the movement pattern. Because that's a lot of what you see, like people who, they, they're doing the movement pattern right. Like they're doing a squat right. But like, it's they're still not fucking doing it right. And you can't, and that's what it is. So the isometrics are the best way, or you know, one of the best ways to change your recruitment pattern within a muscle or within a movement pattern. And so I felt that myself, especially with the bottom of my squat, like my bottom of my squat, it feels completely different after all the isometric training. And I could literally feel my body change how it was like holding itself, what muscles it was recruiting as it figured out what is a more efficient way to hold and create power in this position. And so the whole recruitment pattern at the bottom of my squat changed. Um... And so anyways, I had never thought about it until I read that, but just another kind of plus for doing isometrics for, for helping with that. So I, I've noticed that, you know, that I'll, now that I'm getting back to doing uh, some weight on my back squats and front squats, I mean, I'm doing like 95 pounds, so I'm not doing real weight, but I'm actually can get into a full depth squat with 95 pounds and due to all the isometrics I'm doing, like the bottom of that squat feels so much significantly just better and stronger and how I'm generating power to come back out of it. Yeah. Because I'm being super mindful because I don't want to hurt my knee and, you know, I'm slowly building up and I'm just practicing it as a skill more than anything. I'm not trying, right, to, right, yeah. not trying to kill myself doing it. It's a loaded skill, not a strength exactly, exercise. Exactly. It's a loaded, that's how exactly how I'm treating it. And yeah, doing, doing all the isometrics has helped me recruit the right, the right muscles to get up and out of that hole and feel solid. Just get, be able to get down into the bottom and sit there and be like, and, you know, I'm not collapsing and like butt winking and yeah. doing all this shit. Like I can just get down yep. there like, okay, now I can generate force, come back up and just nice and smooth and yeah. back down. Like, that's not form. That's recruitment pattern. That's you know, how is your body recruiting the muscles in that bottom position. And they're different than they were. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's going to affect your whole squat. And so like, again, that, yeah, that, uh, um, I felt that with a lot, man. Like a lot of my movements feel so much cleaner and better since I've been doing the isometrics. And so now it all makes sense. It's like, yeah, it's cleaning up the recruitment pattern. It's not just about movement patterns. So, um, the fuck else did I have here? The, oh yeah, this was interesting. The firing rate of the muscle, right? So everybody thinks like, if you train slow, you're gonna move slow. And so, and there may be some truth to that, but what's slower than not moving? nothing right so obviously if you're not moving you're just simply training yourself to not move and to be slow right that's one of the arguments against isometrics, isometrics is you're training to be slow because you're not moving so how can you you know that's the slowest thing there is is not moving but what's interesting is the firing rate of the muscle is just as fast as like if you're doing like a heavy eccentric uh so um yeah if you're doing like a heavy eccentric bench press 
you, the firing rate of the muscle is the same as doing the isometric bench press. And, uh, or was it the same or is it faster? No, it's faster. That's right. It's faster. It said, it, and they haven't studied it. It said that it may be as fast as the concentric, but basically your firing rate of the muscles is pretty much the same. Um, whether you're doing an isometric or, or a movement based exercise. Yeah. 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 I don't know if they studied like a, like an explosive exercise, but like, so my, the, the way I put it is like, you know, if you're doing a deadlift, the firing rate, whether you're doing a deadlift the exercise or a deadlift the isometric, the firing rate of the muscle is going to be the same. Hmm. So you're not actually training yourself to be any slower through isometrics. It's the exact same firing rate. So you're not losing anything there. Hmm. So yeah, yeah. I remember uh, Steve Maxwell mentioned that, like, you know, you're not, you know, training yourself to be slower. You're actually training yourself to be faster or something like that as he was, you know, ranting on his uh, thing. But um, so anyways, yeah, I thought that was... Uh, interesting that's again good. just another good because you that would that's definitely an argument you would hear people make right well if you want to be explosive you got to train explosive yeah if you want to be fast i got to train i got to train the that's fat, why i use bands and the chains fat, the fast and stuff muscle fibers right i can't do isometrics yeah yeah no but you're actually training them to uh to do that so and improving the firing rate in those uh and a lot of times when you're doing the isometrics like the best thing to do is to do them in your weakest spot in your range of motion if you strengthen the weakest chain in the the link like you're going to strengthen the whole thing and so uh you're actually improving your your firing rate at that weakest position so uh giving you a chance to actually focus on that weakest position so that's another thing people are like you know I, i'm still not convinced that the you know steve kind of brushed over like the joint angle thing you know plus or minus 15 percent is where you get your strength gains from an isometric exercise and you know he said something about that's not true you know blah 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 i haven't really found anything that confirms that but more just you know thibodeau's point was you can look at that as a minus but you can also look at it as a plus because it allows you to focus on your weakest point in your range of motion and so you're able to actually strengthen that that and that'll strengthen the whole thing so yeah no matter what you're trying to do lift heavy weights or do jujitsu or just live a fucking functional pain-free life um isometrics are like not optional gotta do them man gotta do them so i like the idea of just doing like 30 seconds of 50 percent effort just to make sure everything's set up and you're recruiting the right muscles yeah and then see i think i might try to do like 30 seconds of you know 50 percent and then 10 seconds of 100 and then do a few sets there yeah, I mean, the eighty percent ramps, the ramping up was, I, it was uh, well. One, I'm just trying to like give myself the thirty seconds time under tension. Uh -huh. um, it's kind of like that lower end of what you need to kind of stimulate some shit. And uh, you know, I liked it. I, just, I felt like I was able to kind of like ramp up, and it, it wasn't twenty seconds isn't long enough for eighty percent to ever get hard. Mm -hmm. And so when I got to my ten percent, it wasn't, it didn't tax me in any way. But I felt like I was able to like really like ramp up, like you know, ramping from fifty percent to a hundred percent versus like it's kind of like the pit stop, mm -hmm. you know. So I don't know, twenty seconds may be too long, but I just I felt like that that maybe do like fifteen and fifteen. Well, the the, the research with the length of the hundred percent is pretty 10, adamant. So ten even 10? 10's getting long, oh, okay. like six to nine. So keep it. At 10. You know, some was like you know as long as twelve, but okay. it's like ten plus or minus fifteen starting to get. You're just 
you almost don't want to be fatigued. Like I right. said, like I, I think the trick is, is you want to, you want the buzzer to go off, and you're almost like, oh, so I like, wish there was fucking two more seconds no left. More yeah, yeah. Whereas like the yielding, you want to get done and be like, Jesus Christ, thank God, <laughs> I couldn't have survived another fucking two seconds. Like that's the goal with that. So, um, so yeah, no, that was like the bro science was digging through that. I did find a, a study on um, cryo. Basically dumping people in an ice bath between uh, hard rounds of training, and it was interesting because it found that like doing the cryo definitely decreases markers of muscle damage, but it also decreased the loss of isometric strength between rounds. That's been one of the things like isometric grip strength with jujitsu tends to, to fade. You know, makes sense. And so, but yeah, the cryo like dumping them in ice actually decreased the loss of isometric grip strength from round to round. Um, so I thought it was like the, 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 the way that I looked at that was the, um, like there may be something there to the cryo, like in between rounds, like maybe it's tough to do like a whole body dunk, but like if there's some way to get like some ice on the forearms and stuff, like you see some competitors doing that. So, I, you know, there's, there's probably something to that. It minimizes, um, some of that, but, uh, you know, there is that argument. I'm sure you've heard it. Like, is reducing the markers for muscle damage a good thing? If you're trying to get your muscles to grow or be stronger, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe not. That may, yeah, that's the signal. So there's the. Um, so, anyways, that was my. I think we need a cryo machine at the gym. That way, in between rounds, you can go jump in the cryo machine. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. Do a fucking ice bath going. Just jump in that. Yeah, but it'd be hard to jump in that. Be all wet and get out and have. To yeah. Jump if you had the cryo machine, you'd jump right in there. Hey, you wouldn't want to jump in there sweating. Not with a wet gear, dude. No, <laughs> not with fucking 150 minus. You know, minus 320 yeah. with a sweaty rash guard. No. Stick it in your skin. Oh, I forgot. Oh. <laughs> All right. Trying to take it off. Let me rethink this idea. This is not a good idea. So, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that was my cryo uh, research. Cool. So that was my bro science, man. That works out good. It gives us time to end it so you can make your phone call. Yeah, yeah I got to talk to the stand-up bike guy give him my feedback sweet I don't know exactly where it's gonna go but we'll see if there's some uh, potential for collaboration with uh, either bike James and them or like pedaling innovations and getting some of my pedals on their bikes or at least that'd be cool yeah man that'd be cool so maybe we'll have an update next time call it a wrap yeah dude our first official live stream that's right zero people watching it Nah, yeah, we had KLA for a minute. <laughs> she had more important things to do. It doesn't really count. Like work. That's like your mom telling you you're handsome. It doesn't really count. Your mom tells you you're handsome? I'm sure she did at one point. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of time. That's why I believe it. You are a handsome fella, bro. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. All right. In your own rough and tumble way. All right. See? All right, That's a very backhanded compliment. That's we'll right. End we'll All end right. it there. See All right. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Grumpy Guy BJJ Podcast. Thank you all for listening. You can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help and will allow us to keep putting out episodes. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas, hit us up at grumpyguybjj at gmail.com. Also, go to our website, grumpyguybjj.com, and get signed up for podcast updates and get our free BJJ Improvement Starter Kit. 
That's it for now. So get on the mat, train hard, and talk to you all next week. It times two, no clue, but soon a brief fun suit might give you a view to choose. Stay tuned, include, won't conclude. To the end is near beware, there's consequences for what you do. To me, demon, the devil of many levels, I keep on feeding for several of them rebels. Me, myself, he died. Me, myself, he died.